Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today. For instance, now we're allowing people to, you know, they can create avatars mm -hmm. and they can carry them to any platform. There's going to be interoperability needs because if this becomes uh, the internet, then obviously you're not, you can't have a bunch of silo internet. That doesn't benefit anyone. Welcome to Conversations with Lulu. I am back from summer and I'm very excited to be recording again. I have a fantastic guest lineup for you for the rest of the year, so make sure to tune in. I also have some upgraded audio equipment, so hopefully the sound quality is superb. A quick note before we start, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me on all social media platforms at Lulu Hazen. You can also email me at lulu at conversationswithlulu.com. If you want to give me feedback, if you want to recommend guests, if you want to ask questions to our guests, uh, and if you want to collaborate with me on the podcast. My guest today is the wonderful Faris Aad. He is the MENA Regional Director at Meta. We're going to talk, of course, about the metaverse and what it really means and what are the implications of the metaverse on our daily lives and for businesses. And we're also going to talk about the creator economy, especially in the MENA region, and what are the opportunities that it's going to unlock. So tune in. So how are you, Faris? Good. Good to Good. be here, finally. Yes, finally. Yes. What's been uh, What's been happening in oh, a Meta lot, Land? Oh, a lot. Can uh, you give us like a, an overview? Uh, like the Well... A lot happening. I think the, the biggest news is the big pivot we had um, a few months ago where we changed our name and kind yeah. of cemented our, our focus to, to, to the metaverse, which, which is like a very, very strategic shift that you know, our founder, Mark, has, has kind of made. And to be honest, you know, since then, um, I think there has been also a lot of noise in the ecosystem about it. It's not like, you know, there's a little confusion that we are building the metaverse. It's not that we're building the metaverse, but I think we've taken quite a bold commitment mm -hmm. from a name change to, you know, investing to the tune of like $10, million, $10 billion a year, yes. um, which has, I think, probably fair to say, maybe ignited a little bit the, the discussion. Mm -hmm. um, but in parallel, we've also had like a major investment on our existing products. We are doubling down on on reels, which are short form video. We are uh, figuring out a way to, to target ads with less signals because of the iOS issue. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot happening, uh, which is exciting. And then, you know, in the region, we have a lot of activities. We've had the expo and now we have the World Cup coming up. So we've been busy. Okay. Well, I do hope to cover as much as possible with you. I mean, I definitely want to talk about the metaverse because it's... Uh, everything that everyone's talking about, uh, all the conferences, Dubai announcing their metaverse strategy with, yeah. you know, uh, with the goal to create 40,000 uh, virtual jobs by 2030. I mean, uh, so much is happening. So maybe from in your own words, um, what is the metaverse? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so look, I mean, the best way I, I, I think I can describe it is if we go back and I think we both can maybe remember, you know, 90s where the internet was just kind of mm -hmm. taking off. Um, it was very simple and very hard to imagine like the full magnitude and implication it would have. I think we are, it's important to, to just kind of set the stage that the metaverse is probably at this stage right now. So a lot of people who are like naysayers or, or you know, talk about it as a gimmick, I think it's easy to say that about the internet mm -hmm. also in the 90s. So, so because we're looking at a horizon of five to 10 years, ultimately what it is, and I think there is consensus in the, in the ecosystem amongst most of the big tech companies is that this is the next wave of the internet. And it takes the, you know, if we think of the internet when it first started as, as very two-dimensional one-way interaction, and then web 2.0 made it more engaging and, and communicative, you're talking about now an immersive internet. And immersive doesn't necessarily have to mean VR, 3D. It could. I mean, that's the kind of the richest version of it. It just means that you're able to be, instead of 
from outside the internet interacting from inside the internet and that might be at some you know at the early stages video conferencing or or uh, augmented reality okay. or using your phone and then ultimately you know our hope is for devices and accessibility to get to a point where everybody will be able to enrich the reality again not to say that anything you know nothing can replace being in person mm -hmm. uh, and that's not meant to form this dystopic view of the world where we're going to live in, in in this digital world however as COVID has shown us and due to economic reasons due to visa reasons due to logistics reasons we can't be in some places and sometimes yeah. we can't be with loved ones we can't attend certain meetings and if your ability to make to make those meetings a bit more seamless but richer I think that has massive implications. Yeah. Even uh, I saw um, uh, His Excellency Omar Al-Alama on a panel yesterday, and he was said that he was called in to His Highness Sheikh Mohammed's office to talk about the metaverse, you know, what is the metaverse? And one of the comments that, uh, that Sheikh Mohammed made was, uh, His Highness, was that, um, you know, Dubai or the UAE in, in the metaverse or in virtual reality could potentially have 100 million uh, residents versus 10 million residents in reality. So it's interesting that even at a government level, uh, they're seeing this uh, this opportunity. No, 100%. And, and you know, I got to give credit to, to the UAE and Dubai in particular. They have been so forward-leaning on this that I remember when we had Cheryl Sandberg here in, in March and she met with His Highness the Crown Prince. And, you know, on the spot, he's like, we want to be the city of the metaverse. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to see him again in a, in a suhoor a few weeks later, and he reiterated that. And he called mm -hmm. uh, for, uh, you know, some of his deputies and, and, and action, some, some momentum. And after that, you started seeing all these things like in, in typical Dubai fashion, a lot of wheels started turning. It's very exciting um, because I think the opportunities are limitless. Um, to the example you just mentioned, during Expo, we broadcasted a series of concerts, something like 60, uh, that would take place in the Wassel Plaza, but we would take them through Horizon World, which is our, mm -hmm. our venue's uh, um, platform. I'm going uh, to ask you about that, by the way. That's my next question, but let's... So, so uh, just to, to finish the thought, and, and, and where you know some of the big concerts like Coldplay or Alicia Keys would get a couple of thousand people in the plaza, and that was like jam-packed, um, we would get millions uh, watching it on on Oculus, and and in one occasion, which I thought was interesting, uh, a head of an agency, a friend of mine, was saying, "I'm I'm watching the Coldplay concert in person, but I also have my phone watching it in Horizon World because I, you know, I can get a good, better vantage point because you could be on stage or you could, you know, you could get a lot more of an interesting angle. So, it definitely is to enrich the experience. Okay. So, because um, I hear, you know, I hear when I hear about the metaverse there's always like this experiential like these words that always come out embodiment right uh, immerse, immersive uh, these are all the words so i always thought that it means you know you have to have a virtual reality a quest headset or or some other virtual reality headset on your head to be able to experience it yeah um but you're saying that it's not necessarily that not necessarily that i think i think um, so it's infrastructure is it like really what the internet was uh and it's infancy? yes i think i think ultimately realistically speaking uh today we have the headsets i think the headsets as you see them you yes. know they, they could be uh quite bulky to wear you know all day we were, we we're conscious of that mm -hmm. um there's also an accessibility in terms of price Yes. Infrastructure and you know this requires uh, strong bandwidth to be able to 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 have a rich experience. So there's some catching up to do on the hardware. The experience and and what you can do on the metaverse so will not be restricted to to this kind of hardware. Okay. I think you can do it on your laptop, on your tablet, you can do it on your phone. And the majority of people initial engagement with the metaverse will be with those devices that are now omnipresent and available. Our goal, and something that we're working on aggressively, is to try to get these devices, A, to a size and, and functionality that is much more manageable, so mm -hmm. down maybe to the size of a pair of glasses. And then also in terms of cost, affordability, where the majority of the population can, can own them and interact with them. Mm -hmm. Today, these are the most uh, 
common and most uh, available, I would say, devices. There's about 10 million out there and their sales continue to increase. They've actually surpassed the sales of many consoles like Xbox, et cetera. So, so they are on a very good trajectory. We have a new one coming out um, in October. Okay. And, and so it, the Quest 3? It, it's going gonna, it's, it's to have a different uh, name. Okay. Um, potentially. Will it but be that, the same size as this one? It's it's gonna be with major improvements. Uh, okay. Actually, it's gonna have. Because this is quite heavy. Uh, it can be, yeah. So so it's it's gonna have a lot of increased efficiency in terms of battery, etc. But but that's okay. not the main advantage. I think there's a couple of things, and I don't want to give too much away, but like a couple of things that are pretty cool. One is this one is mainly on on the virtual front. The other one will also take into consideration AR. So it will not just put you in a virtual world, but you'll also be able to interact with your environment. So okay. you, you'll have some augmented reality features to it, which I think would be pretty cool, which I think also a lot of, a lot of um, studies and, 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 and research is showing that people don't necessarily want to disconnect from the real world. They want to enrich and be able to interact with the real world with, okay. with, with more uh, information. It will also allow you to track your facial features. So mm -hmm. your avatars will be able to engage, uh, will be able to reflect your, your, your facial gestures. Like if you're frowning or you're smiling, your avatar will be able to your reflect Your avatar them. that you see where, like if so- In your virtual representation in, 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 the, in the metaverse. Okay. And, and the logic here is a couple of things that I think you know, Mark has spoken about this is one, um, there was initially a huge push to make avatars hyper-realist. Like, mm -hmm. I want to see you exactly the way you are and, and you know, most people want to be represented. But actually, that's not necessarily the case for everyone. Okay. What many people want to, want to, or, or prefer to be in the metaverse manifesting in a different way. You know, mm -hmm. they want to be creative in the way they look or, or, or change from time to time, etc. What they do care about, though, is the transfer of emotions. Like, they want to be able to express themselves. So, you know, when you frown and you smile, and there's so many signals, body signals that we send that are not spoken that are incredibly important for communication. Mm -hmm. So that's why that feature is, is, is quite key. The other thing that is important is also what you focus on. So if you notice, you know, many of the avatars don't have like legs and, yes, you know, they don't have... Yes, that was one of the biggest, yeah, anyway, uh, they, critique, basically. They don't have arms, they focus on, on the hands. Mm -hmm. And that's... Again, because most of the expressions are not, you know, you're not looking at my elbow. You're kind of either my hands or, or my face. So the focus is on how do you maximize the communication? Mm -hmm. So it's a learning process, but um, as these devices improve, not only it's, it's, it's the size and, you know, we're doing this also, this, this pilot with Ray-Ban, where we have the, 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 augmented, the augmented reality glasses. But the goal is also because Raven, they're the experts about you know how the glasses sit on your nose mm -hmm. and the weight, etc. The ultimate goal is, yes, to make them very weight uh, feasible and 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 practical, but also to to learn about what people want to do in the in the metaverse and how they best can interact in the metaverse. And that's why the focus from saying hyperrealism to no, let's allow more variations of the avatar. Let's allow people to maybe express their different interests or different looks or religious beliefs or, yeah. you know, in, in, in that world. Which, which actually leads us to a very um, philosophical question, I think, because you can be yourself and physical, you know, you have physical Ferris and then you have virtual Ferris and Ferris, the virtual can be, you know, a completely different person, as you said, the gender, uh, um, uh, look, etc. And so, is there a point where like you know which one which one's real like which one is the real which one's the real you right because yeah i mean it, it it's just like i mean this is a, a a much wider debate i guess but um i think it's all the real you you know if it stems from you and and this is the way you choose to express yourself then who's to tell you that's not you mm. um it's on us to allow you the tools to be able to do that seamlessly, provide you the safety to make sure that you are safe and protected in that world, mm -hmm. and that you're also not invading other people's sensitivities and privacy in that world. But then 
it's a beautiful way to be able to express yourself. Is there a risk that your virtual life might be much more interesting than your actual life and you might get sucked I, into it? I mean, I think, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I doubt this is a quite a dystopic view of, of how we function. I don't think, um, like I said, I, I, don't, I don't believe there's a day where, you know, people will choose to not be in the real world. Okay. It's, it's to like me, that movie, surrogates, you remember? Yeah, that? it's 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 unrealistic. I think it's a it's a good outlet, and and what we've seen, yeah, we've seen many examples about. Um, there are certain instances where you might want to disconnect, and, and I'll give you an example. I posted about on social media this week, actually, in Lebanon. There's this um, anesthesiologist that is using Oculus for kids when they submit them to anesthesia. It's part of the LAU university and apparently kids you know go through a lot of anxiety when they experience anesthesia like it, it causes them panic and they don't understand what's going on and mm -hmm. and so she puts these 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 oculus glasses on and she puts them in like a very soothing environment they're watching their favorite cartoons at the end so it, it creates a little bit of a disconnection with reality just so they can go through this period and then you know when they're waking up it's not a shock it's not something that we commissioned or, or, or did, this is completely like grassroots activity, but it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think it's examples like this that I think will more likely flourish. It's people finding interesting uses for, 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 for this technology. Similar thing with internet where people said, oh, you know, it's going to be all in this yeah. internet world, etc. Internet now is, is interweaved as every aspect of our life. Most of us can't imagine now functioning or living without yeah. without the internet, but it doesn't mean that we're no longer human. Mm. I think, by the way, one of the most interesting things is to watch your kids when you put the Oculus on. Uh, I, I do the same. I mean, my kids are very young and I put like these either like animals or, you know, safari or, uh, or ocean or something like that. And just the expression on their faces is really like priceless. Uh, it's I, have to, I have to hold them sometimes, <laughs> like just to remind them that, you know, we're here. Uh, obviously, I don't do it extensively because I, I don't know what the implications are uh, on, on someone who's, who's as young. But it's such a such a beautiful sight to see. It, try it on, on, on parents or grandparents. Like I've tried it on, on older folks yeah. and it's really mind blowing because the kids don't have a point of reference. But the older folks, it's, it's like the immediate reaction is yeah. like you just kind of, you know, to take them to a parallel universe. Yes. Um, it takes some time getting used to. There's also still, you know, some technological advances and, you know, the latency that happens, which many people say, oh, you know, I, I'm dizzy, I'm dizzy, which is usually yeah. caused by the very, very minor latency, which you might not be conscious of it, but but your eye recognizes it and you feel this. So all these things will get better. Mm -hmm. That's that's a question of, of advancement. But once you're in a place where you're able to take your kids and if you're teaching them about ancient Rome, put them in ancient Rome yeah. and they're walking down the streets and hearing the sounds and interacting with the characters and seeing the Colosseum in its prime and actually attending a gladiator fight. How enriching is that, right? That's incredibly, it's irreplaceable. It, it, this is not something you can show in a story or in a, in a movie because everybody learns their own way and then there's nothing like re reality to yeah. teach you that it's, it feels very real if you're if you're a medical student or if you're a doctor and trying mm -hmm. to you know you're doing a surgery and you're able to you know be in the arteries actually have a view like a, an immersive view of what you're doing the implications are limitless yeah. so um the dystopic view of of all oh, we're going to live in this i think is is probably so small compared to the potential benefits of what we can read. So where, where would you stand? I mean, you have, you have children as well, right? And I think children will grow up in a physical and hybrid environment more and more. Um, you know, Meta is building the, the portion of the metaverse, I mean, and, uh, and there's so much going on. So how do you see it? Like, if I had to ask you, if you like project 10 years time, like what can they do, you think, on the, digitally on the metaverse? I mean, for starters, I think it's, it's um, my kids are young, I think it'd be part of their education. Um, they, 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 there'll be at least elements of it where they are able to learn many of the things the way we teach today is not always 
same size fit all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's consensus that experimental type of teaching works a lot better. If, if kids are doing, they learn more. And imagine if they are there, right? Take a walk down the Milky Way and learn about the solar system. I think that's going to be a must. I think as they graduate, um, their options about workplace and where they need to be, and you know, especially coming from developing markets, um, accessibility to develop markets and the polarization that's going on in the world. If, you, if somebody can have a job in a different continent mm-hmm. and go to work every day and stay at home. Um, Teleport, right, is the, is the term. Kind of, yeah. Used. I mean, you, you can, you can we, we have that now, by the way, like uh, within Facebook, we have workplace uh, tools where you are, can attend a meeting and we, many of our colleagues, we attend meetings in Oculus. Uh, oh, and oh, while using Oculus. Yeah, while using Oculus. Okay. And, and you can have someone presenting and, you know, you're listening to them presenting and we can have a side conversation and the audio depth will differ. So it's, it feels very real. I'm seeing your avatar. We can create a notebook and take notes. And, you know, I can pass a note to you while that person's still presenting. We can have a side meeting. Like, it's very, very real. Okay. So, so that facilitates, you know, that, and especially with, we've learned that we can work from home for extended period of time. So I think the idea of I need to migrate somewhere to maybe get a job will, will you know, will, will change. Um, I need to go somewhere to study my change. I think uh, your ability to interact with different people from around the world will change. One of the features we're working on, because again, we're not building the metaverse, but we're building the infrastructure mm-hmm. for people to build on. So one of the key features is, is this feature called no language left behind. So the ability to simultaneously translate any language to any language. Okay. So this will be kind of an API. So anybody who's building a tool on the metaverse, you could have whatever, a game or educational tool, and you can plug that in. And imagine language not being a barrier, right? Uh, the amount of increased understanding and the amount of increased communication that that could have. So I'd like to think that you know my kids can have a much easier mobile life than the one I've had. And I've been, I've been very blessed, but, you know, it's... it's it's, it will make it a lot more seamless. But, but there is this, um, there is this, I mean, okay, th- this is the positive, right? But there is, I mean, we can't not talk about like some of the um, concerns basically that people are raising. So for example, I was listening to a podcast recently uh, called, uh, it was called Land of the Giants, where they talk about, uh, you know, Facebook's transformation into meta and the big $10 billion bet on the metaverse, et cetera. And they talk about Horizon, which is, I think, your new, uh, social media platform, right? Like the Facebook equivalent of the metaverse. Uh, and they said that like some of the beta users basically are starting to, like beta users are early users uh, of the platform are starting to request features like, you know, I don't want him in my personal my like, bubble. virtual space. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone uh, said something inappropriate. Uh, I mean, of course, these things happen in real life yeah. uh, everywhere all the time, right? And uh, And on social media, it's somewhat, I mean, there's rules, regulations that can falter and we, and we know that. So how, how will it uh, work, you think, uh, in the metaverse? Look, with, with every technology, there's gonna be new frontiers mm. of good and bad. Um, I think uh, the examples you mentioned, you know, these are examples of things that, you know, you build and just like with, with um, some of the cyberbullying that sometimes happened, right? Um, some people behavior, you're right, some people behave in the real world. Now, these things can happen in the real world, yeah. but they seem to be sometimes exaggerated in the, in the digital world. For starters, I think we, we, we have a decent experience from what we've been through because we have the largest social media platform in, uh, in the world, so we have a good starting point. Um, but this is a new, di- new dimension, mm-hmm. so I think... Um, one of the things we're doing is we're investing $50 million a year in, in like research, uh, academic institutions, uh, civil rights uh, organizations, et cetera, to get input and, you know, think tanks and like what could potentially go wrong and how we could mitigate. Mm-hmm. The other thing that has happened also in social media that was a good learning experience is many of the digital companies, just not just us, moved at such a pace that regulators and government mm-hmm. were way behind. So usually the regulation would come, you know, most of the 
policymakers didn't even understand half the stuff that was mm -hmm. happening. So I think there's a concerted effort now to try to kind of walk together and say, okay, look, this is what we're trying to do. Let's all agree because it's not our place to necessarily govern this new world. Mm -hmm. I think we have a responsibility to try to put as many guardrails as we can, mm -hmm. but yeah, like one of the things, like now there's the ability for you to have a bubble. Like you can, you can say, you know, an avatar can come this close to me. There will be, there has to be moderation. There has to be, you know, community standards that apply, et cetera. Um, at the end of the day, it's a reflection of the real world, right? As much as possible. So I think it doesn't, it doesn't dissolve our ability to be human. But because you have a potentially some more flexibility in that digital world, then you need to build for that, right? But with just like any technology, I think the benefits need to outweigh the, the harm and, and you just need to mitigate as you go along. I think the anonymity is an issue, right? I mean, if you look at on Twitter, for example, I mean, you have, obviously, there's all this uh, talk about bots and stuff. And it's just, I think, when people aren't connected to an identity, uh, they tend to behave uh, really badly. And, yeah. and and that's, I think, one of the things, you know, I I personally have a concern over when you have like an avatar, because maybe if if this lulu virtual lulu is tied to the real lulu maybe there are guardrails right because i have a reputation or i yeah. have certain values but maybe i can go rogue you know <laughs> what i mean and just uh so i think that's yeah yeah that that look that's a philosophical difference for instance between us and, and twitter like facebook is actually not you're not meant to be anonymous on facebook so and, and you're not meant to have more than one account um because of the reason that you need to be tied to, to an mm -hmm. account. And, and also when you create an account on Instagram, then they tie it to Facebook. So, you know, you have identity. Not saying that some people might not, but it gets more and more complicated as you're trying to tie accounts and create things. And, and, and yes, you being owning your comments and owning your, your interactions on, on the platform is important um, as, this, as this takes place. And I think also other things like NFTs, um, and when you introduce things like crypto and stuff, will start taking more of a role in being part of your digital identity. So I, I can see NFTs very easily being your kind of digital ID. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, I think as you as the interactions get more complex, there's going to be more of a need by regulators and others for you to, you, you know, you can represent yourself in different ways, but you have to link it to, to, to your identity. Okay. Because, the, I mean, the NFTs, so for those uh, that are not very familiar, it's basically, it's, it's on the blockchain. Yes, yeah, non-fungible uh, tokens. Yes, and it's a digital um, identity yeah. or it's it, a digital file, right? Yes. It's digital media. Uh, it's a digital media that's... that's Today, it's a digital media. It, it's non-replicable. So it's like it's the one instance of, mm -hmm. and, and therefore in theory, uh, a lot more reliable, right? Mm -hmm. So today it's mostly used for digital art um, and, you know, we, you people can buy it and sell it, but the, the beauty of it is that you know that this is one instance of 10 and, mm -hmm. and yes. there won't be more and it's not fake and et cetera, et cetera. But the implications of its use are endless okay. again. I mean, ultimately this could be a plane ticket, it could be a train ticket, it could be an ID. And and because of its of the security and scrutiny around it, it's it's a lot more reliable. And this is something that you can't necessarily you know lose or or drop. And it exists in the digital world and ties to you. So those are all building blocks mm -hmm. of that metaverse. And therefore, I think when they come together, yes, they, they, there is there are the, the tools are there to to create a little bit more of this okay. of this safety. So I don't know, maybe this is a stupid question. Is the, the metaverse is built on blockchain? No. Y yes. Is I mean, it? it's, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, I'm getting too technical. I'm not a, an engineer, okay. but I mean, blockchain is, is a part of the, of the, of the infrastructure. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, one, one last question, I think on that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, but I'm, I'm genuinely very curious about it. There's uh let's talk about like the interoperability, right? So if, uh, if I am, like today on the internet, right, if I am signed up on Facebook, then I have to create a new account on Twitter and whatever other website. Um, do you see that happening in, in the, the metaverse as well? Like, 
especially with digital assets and and things like that. So no, I think I think uh, like the, for now, for instance, now we're allowing people to you know they can create avatars mm -hmm. and they can carry them to any platform. Okay. Okay. So once you have your avatar, you can kind of take it to any platform. I think there's going to be interoperability needs because if this becomes uh, the internet, then obviously you're not you can't have a bunch of silo internet that doesn't benefit anyone. There. You know, there could be different differentiating factors in yeah. different environments, but ultimately there has to be the interoperability, and there'll be what we call these APIs, which basically like you can plug between um, between different environment, and then people will be able to interact and 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 go from environment to environment. That holistic view of it is what brings value. You know, being in the silo environment, which is which is where we are maybe a little bit today. It's 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 one offs. Mm -hmm is not what's going to make this a success. I think once once everyone sees the value, then there's going to be demand for some sort of normalization. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, um, the creator economy, right? Because that's <laughs> like another, another big topic that everyone's talking about. Uh, there's, you know, what I, what I love about it is that it's like, um, it's cool now to be a creator. Uh, if you think about it, 10 years ago, you had to be a lawyer or a doctor or, or an engineer. I think today it, it's, people have different me ways of expressing themselves, which is, which is amazing. So how do you see that uh, growing? And maybe if you can take like a Amina perspective. Sure. So um, for starters, actually, there are a lot of creators in Amina. So if, if, if we look at the numbers that we track of people who self-declare themselves on the platform as creators, okay. we are almost like, we have more creator than the UK or... or, or, or as Mina. As Mina. Okay. Or, or, or Germany and almost as many as the US. Okay. okay. So, so there's a lot of numbers, right? And, and what we see a lot in Mina is good and bad. So we don't see a lot of... Um, development as in technical development like mm -hmm. you know we don't see a lot of R&D etc so innovation usually is imported here but once it's developed we see massive uptake very rapid uptake because we have a very young population high mobile penetration okay can you give an example though what do you mean by like, like we don't have R&D and like for so for instance you know we won't develop reels here or or digital video mm -hmm. but then on our platform digital video consumption is twice the global average. Okay. 2x the global average in Mina. Okay, so we're mostly consumers. We're consumers, but it also, it also means that we also create, right? Like it also means that we have a lot of creators, we have a lot of content. Uh, uh, usually it starts with consumption and then there's a vacuum for Arabic and then that vacuum gets filled through creator, yeah. et cetera. Um, and so in that sense, there's a lot of creativity that comes out of, uh, out of Mina and there's many also global creators have come out of MENA or decided to relocate to MENA, mm -hmm. which is also interesting. Uh, something else, an uh, interesting stat, we did a study uh, about the likelihood of consumers to engage with brands. And 86% said they're more likely to engage with a brand that is uh, promoted by a creator, an influencer. Wow. Because they, you know, usually it's... They have this trust built with this influencer or this creator, and that that carries over to, it's still to the, the case brand. Because that was the case, like when influencers uh, started becoming, you know, famous and and getting paid for to, col to collaborate, etc. But I think, you know, I think people realize that these are paid collaborations. So still, you, you're saying still there's a high percentage uh, now. Again, it, it, uh, this is like holistic data. You, you, okay. It depends from creator to creator. And, 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 and now also, by the way, we make sure when it's, a, when it's a sponsored ad, we encourage brands and creators to, to link that. So if you sometimes see, you'll see a sponsored ad. Mm -hmm. uh, and like it'll say, on Instagram, for on example. On Instagram, you'll say sponsored ad, mm -hmm. paid ad by you know, uh, a certain brand. And that does three things. One, it provides transparency to uh, the audience that you're watching a commercial, mm -hmm. effectively. Two, it gives the brand visibility into the performance of that campaign. So, oh. yeah, so it's not dependent on the creator saying, oh, it did great, you know, here's some stats. No, oh, they, they okay. see exactly how that performed. Okay. And then three, because that content usually is commissioned by the brand, the brand can get to say, all right, 
I like it, but it underperformed in Morocco or overperformed here. I'm going to put some money directly into the campaign and and push it on this angle or to this segment. So into that piece of content. Into that, that piece of content, okay. right? And 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 so then it's it's treated like a campaign. Okay. But what I'm talking about is not necessarily always just brands. It's also trends. It's 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 advice. It's mm -hmm. it's things, and not all creators are always pushing that, right? So there is a trust that is built, especially with creators that take that matter seriously. There's subject matter experts that do certain industries, certain, and, and, and they are trusted. The difference is, I think, when a creator has credibility and they, they're followed for a while, there's a lifestyle association, whether it's aspirational or, or, or like-minded. You, know, you know, I follow you because we like the same things. So when you recommend a podcast or you recommend to me a book, I'm much more likely to like it than if I just see an ad, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I kind of feel like I have a good understanding of what you like and we have many things in common. So I think it's, it's that, that link, again, back to a human link, right? That many people feel like they know the creators. Um, and so being authentic, being real uh, comes through and being consistently authentic and real comes through. And those type of creators, yeah, they transfer very well uh, to, to, to credibility and they've chosen the results. Again, the transparency that we provide now as a platform to the brand uh, on, on the creator performance allows creators who yield results, who like made the right investment to be able to reap the benefit. So I think a lot of brands now are a lot more aware and ask for the right data. They mm -hmm. say, you know, show me your demographics, where's your audience, what's the breakdown, male, female, how many do you have in this country, what's your age groups? And then you can test campaigns before you further invest. So to your point, because initially there was this wave and then like, well, mm -hmm. I don't know where the money's going, but I think now there is better attribution of, of these campaigns to results. But that benefits the the big, basically, content creators or like, like one of the issues, I'll give you a, a personal example, actually. So when, when you have a podcast, for example, uh, you, you, you either have to go directly to a sponsor, right? Because the, the media agencies, you're not that big unless you're very big, which obviously uh, a lot of content creators mm. are not there yet. Plus, I don't know if you have that scale here in this region. Uh, maybe you do at a certain level. Vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis the U.S., for example, as a market, but um, it's so fragmented. So, like the 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 brand would say, you know, I can't be bothered like spending whatever thousand dollars a year, two thousand. So they don't really work with you. Uh, and I would assume it's the same maybe for the the smaller creators on these platforms. Look, it depends. It depends what the brand is trying to do, right? If 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 it's what we call like a top of the funnel brand, that's just kind of mass market, mm -hmm. they're trying to reach as many people as possible. You're right, it's, it's about quantity and, mm -hmm. and maybe some relevance. So like, uh, but there are some very niche plays that I think focus on very targeted markets. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're able, I would argue, to have a niche following that has massive engagement, then that 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 is kind of kind of very like-minded, etc. That can be very valuable for the right kind of brand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if 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 you're a, a bank that does private wealth management, or if you are uh, De Beers or Cartier, you know, they don't advertise everywhere. I mean, they're not mass uh, consumption. So you see them in the brand association that they do mm -hmm. is very, very specific. They even have mandates around what ads come before them and what ads come after them. And, you know, they're very particular about protecting the brand rightfully because they are targeting a very specific segment. So if you are that provider that has that niche, I think, okay. I think you have a very coveted market. Um, if you are very mass, then it doesn't mean, you know, you might get that, but... You're also getting all sorts of things, and 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 it's it's just a different play. So I I think if you're small in your mass, then yes, like then you just gotta get the mass. But if if you, it's also a very crowded space. So I always think if you have a smaller but very very engaged mm -hmm. following of like-minded followers, then it's very very hard okay. to to get that, and, and it's very coveted. 
And you're saying now, like through the meta platforms, uh, maybe particularly Instagram, like brands are able to see the performance of these. Uh, They're able to see and videos, uh, and so therefore. It helps creators monetize. Yeah, I mean they're able to see, and I think also as a creator, uh, as you get more sophisticated, the way you sell yourself and the way you pitch yourself mm -hmm. is very important, right? It's it's a you have to be consistent. You have to decide what your positioning is. Be consistent on it. Mm -hmm. I've seen I've seen situations where creators were approached, and then the brand will go through their account and then see something completely off brand, like they. And they're like, yeah, they back down. Because also brands, once they associate with you, they associate with you for a while. So I need to know that this is going to be this mm -hmm. for a while. Like if I sponsor you and then you decide to go and do something else, that reflects on my brand, right? Um, so you're consistent, you're on brand, and the way you sell yourself also in a very kind of data-driven, case study-driven manner is, is how brands sophisticated brands are thinking now, right? They think, okay, this, this, this is a professional and this is a, someone who, who gives me the comfort and reliability that is going to be on, on brand with my brand. Do you publish any data on like how much are, for example, people in the creator economy making in this region? Like, um, we don't necessarily, I mean, I think there's, there's many ways people make money. Um, one is, you could have a content and you allow us to sell ads and, you know, we revenue share and you make some, some money on the ads or, you know, uh, video ads or um, on your content. We could also, um, you could do a sponsored content, uh, content sponsorship, which means you get paid to create a piece of content and then the brand boosts it. So you get some of, you know, you get the sponsorship money and the brand works with us on, on the boosting. But there's also a massive amount of money, which is, off-platform, mm -hmm. right? So you have the likes of Salt Bay, mm -hmm. or you have the likes of others that use the platform to market their offline businesses. And those are massive, right? Uh, you, you, many of the startups will have roughly in their P&L, if you're a business to consumer, 40% of your budget will go to, to marketing. So if you're able to reduce that or remove that off the P&L, mm -hmm by having a massive platform where you talk directly to your consumer. That's why many celebrities launch brands. Mm -hmm. That's worth a lot of money. Now that we don't have visibility to because it's, I mean, we can estimate, but it's off, off, uh, off uh, platform money. And if you are able to, again, if you have like a very engaged following and, and they trust you and you launch a product and they go buy it, whether you're selling it online or offline, that is worth a lot of money. And I've seen VCs also start to invest in that. So they come to you and say, if you're a massive influencer and you're launching that kind of product, there's something that you're bringing to the table that might have not cost you anything, but is very valuable moving forward. Yeah. Which is what happened with uh, Huda Beauty, exactly. I think, uh, which is a great, the great success great story. Great success story. Uh, and the ladies are, are incredibly smart. Hi to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they've done a fantastic job. And they're a perfect example of someone who's like, on brand, you know, they've never promoted anything Consistent. they didn't believe in. Um, and they just did something with such passion and credibility that mm -hmm. they have the mass and they have the following. So it's, it's a perfect combination. So you see, you see that you see more of that happening in, in our region, because I don't want to talk about global numbers. I mean, here. Look, I, I, I see I see a lot of that happening in our region. I see also a lot of need for education in our region. Mm -hmm. Like I um, educating brands, basically. educating brand, but also educating influencers. Okay. Like many influencers are so hung up sometimes on how much am I going to make for this and how much you make for that. And, and, you know, they don't think big picture. They don't think about personal brand. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the, the big picture thing, if you look at the global successes, these are people that have had like a much more long-term strategy um, around around their personal brand, where they want to be, what they want to stand for, and what type of influence they want to have. Yeah, you mentioned the Catan sisters, great example. Um, there's a couple of examples uh, from, from Turkey uh, that I've seen many chefs that have done this, but globally there's a, mm -hmm. a ton, a ton of examples. And, and are you doing something as Meta to uh, educate more or maybe to uh, 
financial support, subsidize, I don't know, et cetera. Look, we, we do a lot of workshops with, with creators. We actually have uh, something we call a house of Instagram. We're doing one in Saudi next month where we bring creators and brands and, and, and we talk about the power of Instagram and how they can come together. Mm-hmm. We do this exercise with uh, SMEs called MetaBoost. We just launched one in Qatar. We're launching one in Saudi. Um, we had one in the UAE where we basically take these startups and talk to them about how they can best optimize their marketing budgets, okay. how they can use our tools to tell their story, not just from a paid campaign standpoint, but also from an organic standpoint. Like, how do you make your content interesting so the organic reach can be higher? Mm-hmm. Um, we work during COVID. We did this thing called Love Local, which is how to you know encourage people to shop locally. Work with the laundromat down the street or the grocery store. These are mom and pop shops that. Okay were forced to go online and they had no experience in how they can do that. So we play a big part in different sectors of the economy. We did we trained 10,000 journalists um, last year. And journalism is one of those very hard hit, not just by COVID or the economy, but by trends, like who reads newspapers anymore, right? Everybody's going online. And most of these have been trained, most of these journalists have been trained in writing these long articles. And everybody now is, as I said, video, video, mm-hmm. video. So how can you tell your story in video storytelling? This creates economic opportunity, creates economic impact, but also engages people, helps them find jobs, uh, engages people in the new economy uh, a lot more. Yeah. What happened with your uh, algorithms recently? There was a huge uproar and basically people saying that you there was something that changed and... Uh, On Instagram? On Instagram. Yeah, so... I mean, there's different, look, we're constantly tweaking the algorithm. And now there's a big push to try to also, you know, experiment to try to address the consumer needs in different formats, et cetera. One of our big pushes is, is Reels, which mm-hmm. is the short form video, which obviously there's massive interest now. It's, it's very popular, et cetera. Um, and also the, the trying to encourage people to explore beyond their following circle. Mm-hmm which is so more know, of a discovery as more well. of a discovery experience than just following your 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 friends and family or, or influencers and that doesn't always land well and every time we try you know first at one point all the feed was chronological and when we shifted it from chronological mm-hmm. there was an uproar and and i think we need to find the happy happy medium i think adam Missouri, our, our head of instagram came out and publicly said look i know maybe we're moving too quick you know we'll, we'll tweak it back uh, ultimately we, we recognize that many people came to instagram because they love pictures. Like when it first Instagram came mm-hmm. out, it was all about the pictures, right? And then video came. And, and peop, many people are still very loyal to pictures. And pictures not going away, but we see an incredible trend in video, like increased interest in video. And now people are saying, oh, you're going to the short form Reels. I mean, Reels is now 20% of the consumption of Instagram and growing incredibly fast. So there's always people who want the new, but there's always people who want the, the old, you know, are not ready to move to the new or want to stick with the old. And so it's about finding the balance. And, and yeah, there's very smart people working on like constantly tweaking to, to make everyone happy. Okay. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a couple more questions just and we can, we can wrap. Do you have any, any predictions that will, uh, you know, any tech predictions, winners, losers in, uh, in the hmm. social space or in the metaverse space or uh, anything that you can share? Um, I think I think digital products is going to be quite a big thing. And and somebody explained it to me, uh, which I was surprised. Somebody told me they went to a concert, a digital concert, and they bought a digital T-shirt. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, even for me, I was like, what, what do you? And he's like, no, but, you know, I, I do a lot of gaming and I spend a lot of time online. And so, you know, if I buy a concert T-shirt, I probably wear it a couple of times and I wear this the same thing. Like, I think the shift, the value we associate with digital products will start taking more and more relevance moving forward. So if, if you have kids and, you know, they play games and they go buy these shields or skins and stuff, I think that's going to become more pervasive. Um, I think, you know, return to office and like work from, you know, there'll be a bit more of a correction. Like there was this huge thing that nobody's going, I think that's going to go back. And this is maybe not very digital, but I think the human touch, the need to interact the healthy friction that happens in the workplace. I think there's going to be some sort of happy medium there. Uh, I'm seeing it. 
And I think this correction also is going to affect many, it's already happened, like many industries that really spiked during COVID, like food order, cloud kitchens, Zoom. Zoom. I mean, Zoom already, Zoom at one point was valued more than our airlines combined. I remember one time during COVID, I read that stat, it was like crazy. Well, That's not going to happen anymore because there's increased competition, but also there's like, okay, I, sometimes I want to have a meeting. Uh, but like all this major investment that went into cloud kitchens, they're all now hurting. Valuations have gone down. And I can probably overreaction, it'll correct a little bit, but it won't be what it was during lockdown. Um, gaming will continue to grow. I think gaming will, will, will figure out a way to also go into non-gamers, which is what happens here. Like the fastest category now is gaming. But the second is social engagement, which is like workplace, dating, etc. And then the third is fitness. And I think massive space for fitness in this space, like the ability to have a trainer in front of you, etc. convenience. Um, and I think these things will happen fairly quickly. Th th that's what will happen in the first five years. And then the following five years will be like the more elaborate things. It's going to be exciting to see. I think there's a, there's an opportunity there also uh, for the creator economy also to participate in the, in the digital world. I mean, you mentioned the t-shirt example. Like my first reaction is, oh my God, like I'm going to have to buy, you know, uh, yeah. a Gucci shoe uh, offline and a Gucci shoe online. I mean, that's, that's just insane. It's okay. It might start out by the brands yeah. like saying, okay, if you buy offline, we'll give you the online. Okay. But I think soon after it'll be like, no, you got to pay extra for the online. Okay. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to evolve for sure. Thank you so much. Faris, my pleasure. For your time. This was fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Conversations with Lulu and I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Faris. He was truly wonderful. Uh, as usual, you can visit the show's website, conversationswithlulu.com or you can follow us on all social media platforms at Lulu Hazen. You can also sign up to Apple Podcasts or YouTube to get the latest episode. If you love the show, we'd love to hear from you. Please do reach out and leave us a review. Wishing you lots of love and light and see you in a couple of weeks. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.